Now my text for tonight is Isaiah chapter 9 and it's verse 6 and it's the words and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Let me leave those words with you tonight. These are the next words on the first Christmas card. And this is part of the greeting that we began to discuss last Sunday night. But this is the next part of it tonight. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. You see, folks, last Sunday night we thought about the first coming of Christ. You remember? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's about Christmas, 2023 years ago, his first coming. But in between last Sunday night and tonight, there's a, there's a, a gap. And it's the gap between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And you need to understand what we mean now when we talk about the second coming of Christ. We're talking about his coming to the earth. We're not talking about the rapture. That's not the second coming. I know some people get it mixed up and confused. The rapture isn't the second coming. The rapture is the Lord Jesus coming to the air and taking us, his people, either from the ground or from the grave, up to meet with him in the air and taking us home to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The rapture. But the second coming of Christ is whenever he returns to the earth and whenever he walks on the Mount of Olives, as the book of Zechariah speaks of, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem and Jesus Christ will Come back again to the place that he left 2,000 years ago almost. You remember what the two angels said to the disciples in Acts chapter 1. Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go. So he went up from the earth. He went up from the Mount of Olives. And he's going to come back to the Mount of Olives. That is his Second coming. And this phrase that we're interested in tonight, it's all to do with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Listen to it one more time. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. When Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to govern. And he's going to govern well. In fact, he's going to govern perfectly. Not like the governments in our world that are wicked and vile and evil and promote all kinds of filth. And she just have to mention three letters, RSE. And I hope, folks, you're still praying about it and praying that the Lord will blow upon it and deal with it. But the government of the Lord Jesus will be oh so different. It'll be a perfect government. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 6, you know what he's called? The governor. 
the governor. That's one of the titles of Jesus. Micah spoke about a governor, a ruler, who would return to the earth a second time and who would rule and reign. And his rule and his reign will be perfect. The governor who's going to govern. Can you make the connection with Isaiah 9? Matthew 2, Isaiah 9. The government upon his shoulder. The governor. Jesus Christ is coming back to govern. We read tonight in Luke chapter 1. And you know, we read a passage that is full of certainty. That's the key word that stands out in Luke 1 in the passage we read tonight. You see, the angel said to Mary, in verse 32, The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And then in verse 33, He shall reign over the house of Jacob. Then verse the, the, uh, another um, part of verse 33, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Now, join the dots. There's a wee word there in all three of those statements. S-H-A-L-L, shall. Three times the angel says to Mary, shall. He shall, he shall, he shall. It's certain. And that, ought, that tonight ought to cause us to rejoice just to know that Jesus Christ shall rule on this earth someday. The Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David. He's going to sit and, and reign and rule from Jerusalem according to Zechariah. He'll r- rule and reign from Mount Zion, the prophet says. He shall reign over the house of Jacob. He's going to reign over the converted Jews. He's going to bless those Jews in the coming day. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So folks, as we live under tyrants and dictators and uh, rebellious rulers in, in our day and generation, and men and women who have set themselves up against the Lord and against his Christ, what a comfort it is to know that one day they're all going to be swept away and Christ is going to rule. And as the hymn writer put it, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun doth his successive journeys run. Hallelujah. There's a coming one world government, you know, and it's a good one. Sometimes we get taken up with the evil one world government that is being put in place by the forces of Antichrist right now as we sit here tonight. You mark my words, this one world government is being enacted. The jigsaw pieces are being put in place and most people think, oh, the governments of the world just want our good. They want the best for us. Well, if you believe that, you'll believe anything. No, there's an evil one world government being 
constructed at this very moment. But I'm glad that there's a good one world government coming someday when Christ returns. And he will have universal dominion, worldwide dominion. And what a day that will be. So there he is, this wonderful governor who's coming back again to rule and to reign. Now, let me say something tonight, folks, before we go any further. I want to know more about him. I want to know more about this amazing person who's going to rule this world perfectly someday. Well, how how are we to find out more about him? Well, we need to go back to Isaiah chapter 9. And we're told all about him there. In this wonderful passage. So look at it there for a wee minute or two. Who is he? This, this unique individual. This remarkable individual who's going to govern the world someday. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. Go down to the end of the verse. And his name shall be called. So here he is. Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. There you have it. There he is. Immediately after it speaks about government and the government being upon his shoulder, it tells us whose shoulder it is. The shoulder of the Lord Jesus. Someday the government of this world is going to be upon his shoulder. Now, here's a wee word for those of you who are saved. And you're down in the dumps tonight. And you're discouraged and weary. If his shoulder can bear the weight of the world. Then surely his shoulder can bear the weight of your problems. You get it? If his shoulder, according to Isaiah 9 verse 6, can bear, one day is going to bear the weight of the world and the government of the world, I tell you, his shoulder can bear your problems and your burdens tonight. So why don't you just climb up on his couch tonight and come to him in prayer and you tell him all about your troubles? And your loneliness and your sorrow and your fears. And uh, he listened to you. He's a very good listener, you know. But let's get down to brass tacks, as they say. And let's, let's think a wee bit more about this wonderful person who's going to govern the world someday. In a future day. First of all... Isaiah says his name is wonderful. (coughs) In fact, we need to put the two together and we need to say wonderful counselor. This future ruler of the world, Jesus Christ, he's the wonderful counselor. And that tells me that there's no problem he cannot solve. Let me leave that with you tonight and 
emphasize that there's no problem he cannot solve. Do you remember the Queen of Sheba? She went to Solomon with all her problems. She traveled hundreds, yea, thousands of miles to ask questions of Solomon, to test him. And every problem she had, she threw it at Solomon. And every question she had, she threw it at him. The wisest man who ever lived, that is apart from a man who is greater than Solomon. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ, the wonderful counselor. You know, friend, you can bring your problems to him tonight. You can bring your questions to him tonight. Why did you let it happen, Lord? Why? Lord, how am I going to get out of this predicament? The dilemma that I'm faced with. How, Lord? How? Now, he's the wonderful counselor. And you can go to him tonight and he'll give you counsel. He's giving you counsel from his word tonight, by the way. That's how he counsels people. The wonderful counsel of his holy word is all we need tonight. You know, we don't even have to wait until a future day when he rules on the earth to go to him. We can go to him tonight. We can study his word. We can meditate on his word and receive counsel from him. Yes, there's no problem that he cannot solve because he's the wonderful counselor. You know that word counselor, it can be translated as advisor. Advisor, hear all, a lot about political advisors, advisors to the prime minister, the president, special advisors up in Stormont. Advisors. A lot of bad advisors today. But this is a good advisor. His advice, his advice is perfect advice. This word counselor here can also be translated as psychiatrist. That's what it really means when we bring it into our modern parlance. I tell you, there's a lot of psychiatrists needed today. Do you know, there's, I read a figure recently that astounded me. There are one million young people in the United Kingdom who have mental health issues. You get that? A million young people in our nation. Mental health problems. Needing psychiatrists. I wonder Why? We're not going into that tonight. You have your thoughts, I have my thoughts, and I'm going to bite my tongue tonight. And it's not always easy to do it. But one million young people who need counselors. Suicides. Somebody told me on the way out this morning of Two young people, two young men who had committed suicide. Just these last times. One of them went into a, a men's room and he hung himself into the, 
into the bathroom at work and he hung himself. Why? Why is there an epidemic of suicide? Mental health, an avalanche of mental health problems. Well, you can curse the darkness, folks, but you're better to light a candle. And the answer to all these problems is the wonderful counselor. And young folk, and indeed everyone, needs to hear about him. The wonderful counselor, and there's no problem he cannot solve. And someday he's going to be the governor of this world. Then he's called the mighty God. Isaiah, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, goes on to to give him this wonderful name. And by the way, these these are not uh, names as such like Jesus or Christ, but these names relate to his personality and his ability and his qualities. And he's the mighty God. So there's no power that he cannot subdue. Yes, he's the wonderful counselor and there's no problem he cannot solve. Hallelujah, the mighty God. There's no power he cannot subdue. Back at the first Christmas, didn't he whisper into the ear of Caesar Augustus and say, now you issue your decree. And there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. But I want to tell you, good folks, before the decree went out from Caesar Augustus, the decree went out from the mighty God, the one with power. And he set the whole thing in motion. How are we going to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem? Tell you what, Caesar, you issue the census. You call for the taxation. And all the pieces of the jigsaw fell into place. And our wonderful, sovereign, mighty God brought it all together. And then we read in Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son. The mighty God. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the mighty God, you know. No matter what the JWs tell you. If you haven't had them at your door, you'll get them at your door sooner or later. Well, you can tell them to stick this in their pipe and smoke it. He's the mighty God. Jesus Christ. The mighty God. Do you want more proof? 1 Timothy 3.16 God was manifest in the flesh. He's God. If he's not God, we have no saviour. We're doomed to hell. We need a saviour who is God. God and man. Fully God, fully man. Truly God, truly man. And that's Christ. He has the power to subdue every other power. I tell you, he can subdue Hamas today. Seeking to exterminate Israel. He can subdue Hezbollah up in Lebanon. You know, they've ruined that country. That was a wonderful country, Lebanon. Very prosperous place. An amazing place to live. A tourist destination until Hezbollah took over. 
But our wonderful, mighty God can subdue them. He can subdue the Houthis over in Yemen. For they're trying to annihilate Israel as well. The enemies of Israel with great power. But they haven't bargained with the mighty God. Who's on Israel's side. You see he's the one who's going to reign over the house of Jacob folks. He's the one who's going to reign from the throne of David. Can you see the Jewish connection? The Lord loves his ancient people. He's not finished with them. Romans chapter 11. Hath God cast off his people? God forbid. Away with these so-called reformed evangelicals today who say, Oh, the church has replaced Israel. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Israel hasn't been replaced. And the Lord has great plans for his ancient people. And I'm looking forward to seeing those plans brought to fruition. But whatever power is against you tonight, brother, sister in Christ, the mighty God is on your side. He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So he can subdue whatever power is arrayed against you. And if you're taking your stand for the Lord, you'll find that there'll be powers arrayed against you. There'll be people against you. You will, you will experience opposition. If you're not taking your stand for the Lord, it'll be all plain sailing, bed of roses. It'll just be easy peasy. The, de- the devil will leave you alone. But if you're being a bit of a nuisance to him now, he'll make it hard for you. But you don't have to fear and you don't have to fret because the mighty God is on your side. The one who's going to rule this planet someday, he is with you. And you can have peace. Ah, you say, oh, but sure, I've got this problem, that problem, the other problem. Well, yes, you may have. But when the Lord's with you, you don't have to be alarmed. You know, sometimes we think, folks, to have peace, that means the absence of problems and the absence of trouble. But peace is not the absence of problems. It's the presence of Christ. Do you get that? Peace is not the, is not the absence of of trouble, it's the presence of Jesus. So whatever your problems or your troubles are tonight, and says you, I've got 101 of them. If you've got Jesus with you, you'll have peace in the midst of the problems and the troubles. The Christian life is not an easy life, and Jesus never said it would be easy. In fact, it's going to get harder as we get closer and nearer to, his, his, to the rapture. But Jesus is stronger than Satan and sin, and Satan to Jesus must bow. He's the everlasting Father. That's another wonderful title of the Lord Jesus who's going to reign from Jerusalem someday. I, the government, shall be upon his shoulder. 
the everlasting Father. Let's think about that. There's no period that he does not span. No period that he does not span. He's the everlasting Father. He's the eternal Son of God. He has always been around. But what about the Father part of it? What does the prophet Isaiah mean when he describes this coming world ruler as the everlasting Father? Well, you know how fathers provide for their families, or at least that's what they're supposed to do. They, they are supposed to provide for the needs of their families. Now, notice I didn't say the wants of their families, nor the greed of their families, but the need of their families, the needs. Fathers are to work to provide for the need of their families. Well, I want to tell you tonight that the Lord Jesus provides. He has provided salvation for each one of us. Tell me this, have you accepted his salvation? Have you received his salvation? Remember the Bible says, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, and it's a rhetorical question. In other words, what it's saying is, there's no way that you'll escape if you neglect so great salvation. You'll pay someday. The Lord Jesus not only has provided salvation by the shedding of his blood, but of course when we're saved, he provides for our every need. Again, he doesn't provide for everything that we want and for our greed, but he provides for our need. Whatever we need to live for him in a wicked world, he will supply our need. He's the everlasting father. Oh, there's no father. There's no father like him. There's no one who is so wonderful and so amazing at providing than the Lord Jesus. You know, this is one of the sad characteristics of our 21st century society, the absence of fathers, absentee fathers. Again, here's another statistic that when I read it, it astounded me. 60% of rapists came from fatherless homes. 72% of juvenile murderers came from fatherless homes. 70% of prison inmates came from fatherless, come from fatherless homes. It's a tragedy. Men who are not doing their duty, not being fathers. We need to step up to the plate, men, and I include myself in that statement. As fathers, we need, with the help of the Lord, to be fathers 
according to Holy Scripture. The everlasting Father, He's the one who provides for our needs. Now, here's the question tonight. We're nearly finished. What do you need? What do you need? I didn't, didn't ask, what do you want? What do you need? The everlasting Father can and will provide it for you. Now, let's finish off tonight. Prince of Peace, this wonderful individual who's going to rule this planet someday, he's called the Prince of Peace, according to Isaiah, and that tells me that there's no person he cannot save. There's no person he cannot save. I know it's, uh, from my point of view, it's hard to believe there could be anybody in this meeting tonight who's not saved. I mean, how many times have you heard the gospel? But maybe there is someone tonight who's not saved. And the word the Bible uses is lost. You are as lost as lost can be tonight. He can save you, the Prince of Peace. He can save your soul tonight. Are you backslidden? Are you going around in circles? You're in the doldrums? You're kind of playing about with the whole thing? You're, you have one foot in the world and one foot in Christ? You're sitting on the fence? You're, you're sort of dabbling in the world, but you're dabbling in the things of God too? The Prince of Peace can meet your need tonight. Sar Shalom, isn't that the wonderful Hebrew phrase for the Prince of Peace? The Sar Shalom. Do you know him tonight? He's a wonderful person. You see, he's the Prince of Peace who paid the price for peace. Do you get that? This wonderful Prince of Peace paid the price for peace. And what was the price that he paid? It was the shedding of his blood. What can wash away my stain? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So isn't it wonderful to think that this amazing person is coming back to this earth someday and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Didn't we sing it earlier? Our God, heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign.